This is the Two-Tone Uncensored Podcast. Hosts Matt McCrone, Brian Moreland, and Glenn Lotzenheiser talk everything Tennessee Titans. This show is made for the fans of Bleed Two-Tone Blue. Hey, this is Kevin Dyson, former Tennessee Titan. You're listening to Two-Tone Uncensored. This is Two-Tone Uncensored. I'm your host, Ryan Moreland. With me, as always, Matt Necrone. And how you holding up, buddy, after a tough loss to a team you really wanted to beat after we lost to them last year so close? Let me first just say that last week was a total abomination of my character. Glenn is uh, is truly an evil person. And... Uh, <laughs> And I will say that uh, after two Roman Cokes tonight, I'm not going sober because the sober show is a boring show. Well, there you have it. And next up we have Glenn, just especially for Matt, I'm going to call you the Anchorman Lotzenheiser. What's up, Glenn? Oh, the Anchorman's thinking about doing some more editing tonight. Um, last week's show was a <laughs> last second, oh crap, someone's got to do this, let's get this hammered out edit. Um, it was the truly uncensored version of Two-Tone. <laughs> Apparently Matt does not approve. I thought it was, it was pretty awesome. I didn't realize how out of it I was, but uh, yeah, I was pretty out of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was. Believe me, that's the stuff I left in. There wasn't much show otherwise. And two tone raw, two tone uncut. Well, well two tone cut, and it was still pretty raw. <laughs> yeah, it was raw. None, nonetheless, it was raw. Yeah, it was like doing a show with you last week, Matt, was like doing a show with like the kid that just came back from the dentist office that it's like all stoned on that video. Ah, He's like, is David this real life? Yeah, yeah. That, that was I'm Matt sorry. last week. He was like, start well, Matt Castle? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> wasn't that bad, but no, nah, I was almost, I was almost <laughs> All right, let's jump right back here, guys. First question, Alexis Manning sends us one, and she asks, how much blame do you assign to Marcus Mariota for the loss on Sunday? For the loss itself, none. For the turnovers, obviously, I do blame. Well, especially the running turnover, I do blame him for. I'm not calling for his job. I'm not demanding a trade. I'm not putting him on the bench. He's going to grow. And that's a part of a second-year quarterback. That's what happens. I think that he tries to put everything on his back. He's aware that he's making these mistakes. Uh, He's making them for the right reasons, just not the right times I guess you could say he needs to understand that even if and he actually said it himself he needs to understand that if it's not there you know surrender and punt the ball let the defense make plays even though we don't have a very good defense to do that but you know he has the right mindset even after the mistakes he's made the play calling has been awful but as far as Mario to himself I think that the game loss is not on him whatsoever. I won't say the play calling has been awful. It's been questionable. Uh, questionable. I mean, uh, every now and then we come out there, we run the ball really well, or we had that fourth quarter drive at the end of the game. Those, those well, good. Yeah, I'll give you that. <laughs> when, when you put on the Mariota magic in the fourth quarter, I don't know who's. Call, I don't think it's Rubisky calling those plays. I think Mariota just takes over at that point. But I'm all fourth, for it. Yeah, well, the, yeah, I'll take those every. Yeah, can we start those in the in the first quarter though? I mean, yeah, you, you, we we've run the ball well, yes, but I mean, the the order that we're running it. Somebody made a great point that I haven't mentioned this yet. One of the guys on the group page said we need to be running the ball. We need to start out, not necessarily start Derrick Henry, but pound the ball with Derrick Henry, wear those dudes down, and then put into Marco Murray where he's going to make these plays. Like that makes sense to me, does it not? I think it makes right. sense to a point. I mean, for sure, because as big and as brutal and and the running style, especially that Derrick Henry runs, like he is going to wear you down. We were talking before the show started. Me and Glenn were about that massive hit that he laid on uh, Khalil Mack. You know, he just ran him right over, and he's a guy that just wears you down, just a road grader of a running back. So I, I don't think that's a bad idea. I still think you need to get Demarco Murray involved early in the game and, and often because of his playmaking ability. But but I think seeing maybe you know give like sixty seventy percent of Derrick Henry's touches need to be in the first half. Yeah, I mean not only that, I'll go out 
out and say DeMarco Murray is our MVP ahead of Delaney Walker, ahead of anybody. I think that every play or every drive that we get going must start with DeMarco Murray, even though my whole concept is is breaking up the defense with Derrick Henry. I think that if we wear them down with Henry, because we're putting Henry in at odd times. I don't know if you guys feel the same way, but I know I know it's kind of like a rest thing for, for Murray, but I mean, I'm not saying start start Derrick Henry. That's far from what I'm saying, because DeMarco Murray has been our heart and soul of the offense, and I truly believe that. he's He's impressed me more than any player on the team, but I think with what he can do, if Derrick Henry wears down the defense a couple times, you know, before we get DeMarco the ball, I think that's going to pay off big time. I, I'm not going to say just run Henry all the time. I, I really like having DeMarco in there. The biggest thing is with our running game is, is the whole idea is to go out there and wear down defensive fronts, but we don't do it. We, we go out there, we beat them up, we have a really good drive, and the next drive we come back and we throw the ball over the damn place. That's what drives me nuts about our play calling is we don't consistently just do what works until you can stop it. We go out there, and it'll work. We'll have a great drive running the ball. We'll be mixing it up really well, drive down the field. Next possession, we get the ball. We come out, and we throw it on first down. You know, we, we were in that stupid screen play, and you know, cost ourselves 10 yards to kill a drive. We're dropping balls. Keep running the ball. These two running backs, more often than not, are going to at least get you positive yards. Just pound on people and wear them out. That's That needs to be the M.O. of a, a physical football team as they go out there and they overwhelm you with their physicality. It's my fault that we went off course here. The question was, do you blame Mariota? <laughs> I, I know that's <laughs> I took it to another question. That, that's what I was going to throw in my answer in here, and, and I don't blame Mariota. Not, well, I mean, I blame everybody that was on the field a little bit. Everybody shares the blame a little bit, but I, I don't blame him very much. When he did make the mistakes that he did make, he was trying to make plays, and people weren't making plays besides him in this game. Uh, outside of DeMarco Murray, of course, a lot of drop passes, which we'll talk about uh, a little bit later in the show. And he can't do it all himself. I don't blame him for this. I thought he played a good game, uh, considering how bad his wide receivers let him down. But one thing I did notice with the play calling that I wanted to bring up real quick, now that Matt's got us completely derailed, is I uh, that so many times we were throwing on first down for an incompletion and then trying to catch up. It just I know it's like predictable, but why don't in the first half, especially just run the ball on first down like every first down run the ball just stay on schedule so yeah as far as mario is concerned one of those interceptions that's not on him that was his receiver fumbling the ball one of those fumbles that they tagged him with that was him doing a pitch to uh, douglas who just apparently wasn't ready for it even though it was obviously supposed to be a pitch you know so his quarterback rating was terrible for this game and he's getting hit with the, the interception always goes to the quarterback even when the receiver bubbles the ball and it bounces out or it's a tip pass, he's going to eat that one. That other fumble makes no sense that it's on him because all he did was pitch the ball to his, his receiver who just apparently wasn't ready for it, didn't know what he was standing out there to do. It was scary and it was not the greatest play he could have made, but at the same time, what was Douglas thinking was going to happen there? Moving on to the next question here, guys. Peter Gallagher sends this one in. Taylor Lewan said the ref told him to fuck off after Lawan tried to plead his case in this game. Does this change how you see Lawan after he made that big mistake? First off, hats off to the ref if that's indeed what happened, because that's hilarious. <laughs> it's probably what I would tell Taylor Lawan. I don't know, man. Taylor Lawan's getting a lot of grief for what happened. I feel like I just went over this with you guys, but I'll say it again. I think Ben Jones was side-by-side side with the guy, even though they called Lawan for the flag. I like where his heart was, and... I think that, you know, that's that's the kind of personality that, that Lawan has. He's probably a little too wound up at times, but it's better to be more involved than to not be involved. I'm not saying that what he did was right, because obviously it hurt us um, amongst many of other penalties that hurt us this game. But I think that, and Mariota actually said it post-game as well, he said, don't, don't change, keep playing the way you play. You know, and I agree with him to an extent. I think you got to use your head at times. You know, Luan, he's running up there. He's he's trying to either get guys off of Sharp or else he's trying to help push him into the end zone. The ref should have already blown the whistle by then. Did they think that Sharp was just going to break out of those tackles? He's not that big a guy. He wasn't going anywhere. The forward momentum was stopped. They should have already blown the whistle before he ever got up to dive onto the pile. My big issue with the whole thing is when guys launch themselves, all they can do is hit the guy in front of them. No matter who that is, no matter who moves around, You know, once you throw yourself out of control, you almost always end up hitting your own teammate. He hit DeMarco Murray right in the chin, could have yeah, broken his jaw, knocked him out. 
Yeah, but yeah, so uh, Shark Moving caught forward. the ball. They were trying to tackle him. The rest weren't blowing the whistle. You know, everybody comes piling in to try to either push the receiver over the end zone or try to gain an extra yard. It was a first down play. All that the rest needed to do was just blow the whistle when it's forward. Momentum was stopped, which they didn't do. That's not their fault. Went in there and lost himself. So, you know, it's it's not his fault that the rest hadn't blown the whistle. You know, forward progress was over. He launches himself in there. He hits our star running back. Much worse result if that happens. You see it all the time with defenders diving into piles, uh, diving into a, a receiver who's making a catch. The cornerback's already there. Then some safety or another corner comes flashing over and dives in there and knocks his own guy out or injures him. It, it happens all the time. It, it's it's a pain in the ass. So I don't blame the ref for telling Luan to fuck off because there's no telling what he said to him in the first place to get that response. You know, he, he's got a mouth on him. We all know he talks a lot of crap. So, you know, that doesn't worry me at all. I am more concerned about Kirk Herbstreet's tweet. You're an absolute fraud, bro. At Taylor Luan 77. Fake tough guy. Loafer. Try to hustle. I see you walking out the field. Fraud. Pathetic. Was he Walk quoted as saying bro? Bro. Absolutely bro. So With he, two exclamation points. Damn. He was hanging out with his fraternity brothers when he wrote this, obviously. Yeah. I, I saw that. I was like, how high is he right now? You know, he, he's, <laughs> as, as a talking head, he can't say that kind of crap, can he? I don't I don't really care what Herbstreit has to say about it, but it is ballsy. I would give him that, that it is a pretty ballsy move for given his public image and, you know, the public persona that he has as much of a, a public figure as he is. Pretty ballsy move for him to, to call a Luan out like that, especially when he's calling him bro. He's what is Herbstreit's like in his 40s, isn't he? Like he's getting close to 50 and he's still using bro. Listen, dude. Yeah, bro. Uh, Glenn's like fifty, and I'm almost thirty-two, so we're not that far off. We we can talk. You like that. you two aren't that far off. So you're old people. Young Glenn's and- like Glenn's about like thirteen seconds away from not being allowed to say bro anymore. Like he's he's that old. <laughs> I, I actually I I passed bro last year. Once you hit forty-three, bro is over. When he messages me, he writes bruh. 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 <laughs> so bruh. No, but uh, speaking of this, Luan shouldn't have done this. I think this is a stupid move. It is, you know, diving in. You could have possibly hurt yourself. And they thought for a second that he had, was showing signs of a concussion and that game had to come out for a play. And, you know, he could have hurt DeMarco Murray or anybody on uh, a team that was in there, as you mentioned, Tajay Sharp. It, it was really stupid. I didn't like this play at all. I, I won't justify it because I don't like plays like this. I don't like when guys just throw themselves, especially when it's so late. Like, this was a cr- incredibly late for him to do this. And Ben Jones is right there with him, but Ben Jones didn't hit DeMarco Murray, so it's a, to a Whatever. lesser extent. And he didn't get the call, which obviously Dude. makes a big difference to me. But the other thing for me is, Luan, it just feels like to me he's trying to make an excuse. Like, he's trying to be like, oh, look, well, this thing happened, and it shouldn't have, so I'm not the bad guy. Like, no, you're King Dickhead this week. Like, you are... <laughs> Put the dunce cap on. You're a king asshole for this week. You are I want you to come in head. and just apologize. Apologize to your teammates. Apologize to the fans for being stupid at the end he of did. the game. And Well, that's all I want to hear. I don't want your excuses after that. That's all I want to hear is I'm dumb. My mom dropped me on my head. I'm sorry, guys. Listen, if he shaves his mustache, I'm good, man. That's all I need from him. That and thing is it. getting extreme. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. But anyway, no, that's his personality. And you guys are a lot. Uh, more lenient on Ben Jones. I didn't like. I said I'm not. I'm not even pissed at Lawan at this point. It's a stupid play, yeah. But to be like, oh, it's all him. Ben Jones had nothing to do with it. It's the same damn thing. They both were side by that. side. All right, but here's the thing: they were both like locked arms together, diving forward. So I mean. <laughs> Give it, locked give arms, it. holding they pinkies. Were, yeah, they were, they were yeah. not locked arms because Ben Jones was like a full second in front of Luan. Uh Moving on to the next question though here. Jacob Richard sends this one in. Is it me or did Richard Matthews drop everything that was thrown at him this week? Yes, he did. Everything but one, I believe. Was not impressed with Matthews this week. I don't know if it was because we used him as the go-to guy, which probably was not a good idea. I think when he came onto the team, everybody was excited as far as what he could be because he's such a young guy that is waiting to break out. But him, just like a lot of other guys on our team, they're not quite there as far as like putting the team on their back. He's not that guy. As much as we all would like him to be, he's just not. I think he could be a great number two, but he definitely showed that with all those drop passes that I, I mean, he could, he could improve and I'm not saying he won't, but I think he really needs to not be the, the, the X receiver. And that's where we have him. 
And I think even with Kendall Wright coming back, I don't think Kendall's going to be our savior by any means, but I do believe we need to focus the ball more on guys that are going to be more reliable, a.k.a. Delaney Walker, Taze Sharp, and even Kendall Wright. I think Kendall Wright's got some pretty short hands. He may fall down on routes, and he may get hurt every other play, but he can catch the ball. Matthews better get better because it's not like he can get worse after the way he showed us this week. Uh, Yeah, you're right. I I don't know. I was not impressed by any means. I think we need to – every time he got the ball, I was thinking it was going to Tajay and, like, I don't know, wishful thinking, I guess. But I think that's what the the Raiders were expecting, every ball to go to Tajay. I think that's why we overused Matthews. But clearly it didn't work, so on to the next guy, in my opinion. Yeah, we need right back pretty bad, obviously. Not just because he's probably going to catch the ball a little bit better than Matthews did, who did catch three balls for 32 yards. But more importantly, we we need right back. He gives you the dynamic player. He's probably the only guy in this wide receiver core that when he catches the ball can actually go make something happen. That's the thing we're missing right now is nobody respects our receivers because they can't get open against anybody. How often do you see a guy running free and open anywhere? It It doesn't happen. Every time a guy catches the ball, he's got a defender on his back or right beside him challenging him for that catch. And if you're a possession receiver, you've got to make those catches. Mariota was hitting people in the hands right and left, and people were dropping the ball. That's where one of his interceptions came from. The other interception he threw... You know, trying to force the ball into Matthews, he threw behind him. You know, so it's not Matthews' fault that that one was picked off. But you've got to have somebody out there who can get open or who just is going to accept that they're about to get you know laid up every time they catch the ball and just catch the ball anyway. I think Sharp wants to be that guy, but even even he threw down a couple of balls that hit him in the hands where he had a defender right on him. So. I, I think they're hearing the footsteps this week. Yeah, everybody was hearing footsteps. Matthews was just the worst about it. You have to be able to make those catches this level. There's absolutely no excuse of why you're not catching balls like that. No near contested, and he was awful. That's just that's just what it was. He was terrible this week. You know, he dropped far too many. And I don't I don't know how anybody watched that game and came away thinking. Oh, we should start Matt Castle. Because I came away thinking, like, dude, we just need to clean house in this wide receiver core. Like, we need to get rid of everybody and start fresh. Just figure out something. You know, maybe keep Kendall right, because he's not to blame for these first couple weeks since he hasn't been here. But, man, it's been rough. They just, Mariota can't do everything. He can't catch the pass by himself. And he had too many drop passes. I believe, I was talking to Glenn earlier, and I believe at one point I'm watching the game, Mariota's at 5 for 10 with five drop passes. So he would have been 10 for 10 if his wide receivers didn't have feet for hands. Sure, But people need to jump off of the, the fire Mariota bandwagon, and, and I think people need to jump off. And as much as I didn't like the hiring of Mike Malarkey, uh, I think people need to jump off the fire Malarkey bandwagon too. We're three games into the season. Like, let's calm down. <laughs> Next one here, uh, Morocco Taylor asks, Are Titans fans spoiled? I guess I'll take this one. Um, we uh, we came to the conclusion that, well, at least I came to the conclusion that it, it's hard for an out-of-state fan like myself to justify this. But at the same time, here's what I'm thinking. The attendance level is obviously a major issue. And I think that for me sitting here in South Carolina, it's a lot easier for me to say this. But at the same time, I think if I was there – or had opportunity to be there, I would be there. Both sides have an argument. I think, you know, to the to the fan in Nashville that's like, well, you know, you pay all this money to get these seats, to pay for parking, to, uh, you know, eat whatever you want, drink whatever you want. It all adds up. And I understand that. And, and why pay all that money when your team's getting beat, you know, week after week? You got to put a, a winning program out on the field but at the same time you know from guys there was a great video today on on the the group page of a guy from houston like cussing out the nashville fans pretty much being like look you know this would never happen in cleveland we got we got outsider fans outnumbering us every week and i agree to an extent i mean i understand both sides of the argument but that's a major issue we have, and I don't have an answer to what we can do to fix it. I mean, I guess winning solves everything, but you know, until we get to that point, man, we're not gonna. It's like having an away game every week. It sucks. Like you know, you'll see your fans, but man, they, we're outnumbered. And as an outsider looking in, it's it's easy for me to be like, well, it shouldn't be like that. But you know, 
a lot of people feel strongly about it, and I don't know how it's going to get any better. Like Are we spoiled? Um, yeah, maybe. I don't know. A team that's going to be able to relate to this pretty well is going to be the Raiders if they actually move to Vegas. Because almost every time they have a game, it's going to be people coming into Vegas who are fans of other teams to come watch that game. Raiders really do travel well, but if they go to Vegas, it's going to completely flip on them. It won't be a home game at home. It'll be everybody else is just coming to see an NFL game, whether they're a fan of either of the teams on the field or not. As far as the Titans fans go, I don't think they're spoiled. I think they're fed up. Uh, you've, you've posted a bad product, you know, two really terrible seasons and several seasons without any hope of actually getting better and getting to the playoffs. And I blame Rustin Webster for this. Uh, it's entirely a matter of he ran the team into the ground. He didn't get the players we needed. Uh, management was cheap and didn't re-sign players who were good players that could have helped us going forward. They didn't re-sign those guys because they were cheap. So we put a bad product with bad talent on the field, uh, you know, a, a train of coaches who didn't have much chance of really winning. And I can't say that about Mularkey yet because they're doing what they can with what they've got. Um, these, this receiver core is really bad. We know they're bad. Our defensive backs are really bad. They brought in new defensive backs, you know, to help out with the depth side of it that none of us were really impressed with. And they haven't played any better than they did anywhere else. But you can only draft so many players each year. So they had to bring in some free agents to try to help that out. It's not getting done this year. I don't want to start talking about the draft yet next year, other than the fact that the first two picks probably should be used on cornerback and wide receiver, whichever order you want to go. The fans are just, they're fed up. But if you don't come to the game, you don't get to complain about them not winning because you're not out there supporting them. You're not doing your part to help your team win. If you're going to have close games like this, the fans have got to show up. They've got to make noise on first, second, and third down. We heard it a few times this game. On third third and long, they, the, the fans would get loud, and it caused some problems. If you would do that on first and second down, and if you would come to the games, you could be a part of actually helping the team win. You could be the missing factor in these close games. That's what it is. It's hard for us to really complain about it because none of us are local, you know, all of us being dis, a distance away. And before I forget... Just want to throw this out there. For anybody who doesn't know, when we talk about the group page, you know, we're talking about Tennessee Titans Uncensored. It's a Facebook page, so if you aren't already a member, I, I highly recommend sending a request to get on because it's, it's really great. A lot of great Titans fans, a lot of great talk and stuff, and Matt's actually runs it. So for anybody who doesn't know, that's what we mean when, when we talk about the group page. But getting back to what I was talking about, I don't. I think you put it well there, Glenn. We're fed up. Not spoiled, but fed up. And it's hard being, you know, from the outside this far away and being like, ah, oh, you gotta get, gotta go to games and stuff. And I understand it's not a great product right now, but it is a good point. Like Cleveland never has problems with this. Bad as as a lot of these teams get, they don't have problems with this. Who has problems with this is like us and the Jaguars. And, you know, there's a handful of teams out there that have this problem, but we need to start. Like, it needs to start correcting. And I think it will once we start winning games and start putting a better product on the field. And and really, I mean, you have to put at least 90% of the blame for this issue that we're having on Rust, Rustin Webster's shoulders. I mean, it's almost completely his fault. But we need to start fixing this. And I, I think, obviously, winning is a big part of it and getting the hope back. I think a lot of people expected too much out of this team this year. And I think you guys would agree with me here. They expected a lot more than what was feasible for this team. So now that they're not, this Titans team's not undefeated, and Marcus Mariota doesn't have 12 touchdown passes already, it's a problem for them because their expectations were far too high. That's fair. Yeah, the media pumped them up and told them all that, you know, they were going to the playoffs this year. That's not going to happen. We, we told everybody, you know, the, the ceiling was probably eight games, you know, six, eight games somewhere in there. And that's what it looks like. You know, we still need a lot of pieces. And we've got some nice depth now, but we don't have the starters across the board that you've got to have to really compete in this league. And, you know, let's face it, Bill Belichick's not coaching this team. No, and I don't know if Bill Belichick could could coach this team. I think what Ryan said earlier with starting over with the receivers, I feel exactly the same way with our with our cornerbacks. There's not one cornerback I want to keep on this team. I'd keep McCourty. I'd keep McCourty, too. I wouldn't. I'm not happy with any of them. They don't even they don't even turn to look for the ball. Like I'm amazing that they're not as bad as they should be. I mean they've they've you talk about bend don't break. I didn't see any bending this last game. 
There was a lot of breaking, though. Yeah, I didn't see much from McCordy. I don't maybe you guys did, but one thing that, that Logan said who was at the game, he said that the one thing you could you could tell was when Parrish Cox got thrown to, everybody would boo. <laughs> yeah. Which, <laughs> which is right off the which, bat that was pissing me off. Which is fair though, man. I mean he doesn't even look for the fucking ball. It drives me nuts. I can't I, I would not keep one even Cody Riggs, my brother from another, he uh you know, he's and he's not on the field more make it, you know, with opportunities, but I mean, every st- McCain, uh, Valentino, all those dudes need to go. No, no one's gonna argue with you about you know Blake. Screw that guy. He's been terrible all preseason. He, he's the exact guy that I thought he was gonna be. You know, when we first talked about him, I said you know, I don't like the guy. He, he's a short corner. You know, he, he's he, he's okay as far as speed goes, but he can't cover anybody. So what, what's the use of him? He, he's He's a reject from a bad pass defense, and now he's on another bad pass defense. And after this year, I don't expect to see him anymore. Hey, as bad as we are in the secondary, I will say this. The bend-don't-break's been working. Two weeks in a row now, we've held very good offenses to 17 or less points. Yeah, and that, people got to remember, this is the that, best offense in the league. Exactly, exactly. If you can do that week in and week out, you should be. And I know that it's not happening right now, but you should be able to win 10, 12 games you should be able to our offense is obviously not there right now you know a lot of teams in NFL I'd say the majority of teams if they were able to to play defense like we're playing defense right now to keep the point totals this low they'd be undefeated right now the fact is our offense is really letting us down I'm pretty impressed with what we've been able to do defensively especially since our secondary has not been that impressive. I'm really, like, every night I, before I go to bed, I pray at the altar of Dick LeBeau because that guy's just a <laughs> god, in my opinion, right now. If he could get his guys to tackle, I'd agree. Yeah, okay, but I'm I'm really confused when it comes to that because what part of our defense is holding up? Like, we're not getting pressure, we can't tackle, and our corners suck. So where is this? This where, week... I don't this week, what we did a really good job of is watching them drop passes. <laughs> we were really good we at did, that. We did it really well the last couple of weeks, honestly. The pass rush, I think, has gotten better. The first week, I was really down on it. The last two games, I think it, it improved, I think. But it's still, it's not great, but it's improving for sure. Um, well, the Vikings had a better offensive line. Well, that's obviously true, yeah. And the one thing I did like this week, though, is... I thought the tackling was still not great. It was a lot better than it was in that Detroit game. Why is Austin Johnson inactive every week? What's up with that? He's in the doghouse, I think. I mean, and I'm not saying he's the answer because he's not, but I mean, he could contribute. I don't understand. Who, with who? LeBeau? I mean, what the hell is he do? What did he do? I don't know. I think they're just trying to have as many eligible defensive backs as possible so they can continuously rotate these guys out and find somebody who wants to make a play. So everybody can get beat? That's nice. <laughs> exactly. Everybody gets their participation beating. Like you got burned, and you got burned, and you got burned. Yay! The Valentino Blake Award goes to everybody. <laughs> nice. All right, we're going to go into a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to talk about this Raiders game even more in-depth than we have already, and we're going to look forward to next week when we take on the Houston Texans. So we'll be right back. Time to pay the bills. Some quick ads and we'll get right back to the show. Hey, this is Ryan and Rich from the Free Parking Show. Our show is a sports podcast hosted by four sports journalists and features shows like Beers and Cheers, Par for Discourse, and our NFL preview, the 32-team parking garage. Check us out on Stitcher, Spreaker, and our website, www.freeparking.com. You're listening to Two Tone Uncensored, brought to you by Podbean. Hey, this is Bo Scaife. You're listening to Two Tone Uncensored. Tighten up. All right, we're back from this commercial break, and we're going to get into this Raiders game here, guys. Let's first talk about the offensive struggles. We'll start on the offensive side of the ball and what we were not able to do. And a lot of it has to do with these drop passes that we've talked about. Um, we saw a good running game. 
um, especially DeMarco Murray, which I know we're going to get into. So overall, uh, how did you feel about this offense, and what takeaways did you have from this game? I really felt that they could have run the ball a lot more than they did. That was my biggest complaint. You know, we, we talk every week that they get a little too cute. like They get a little too happy with the plays that they're trying to set up. I think they need to worry less about running set-up plays and just run their base offense and get down the damn field. Either that or, I've said it before, let's just go ahead and just run two-minute drill all game long and put some pressure on these other defenses. The only problem is that means your defense can't rest, so that doesn't always work out. But I'd rather see Marcus out there freestyling than, than running plays, waiting for wide receivers to get open as our offensive line continues to get more and more injured. Uh, Klein played okay this game. You, you saw by the end of the game that Spain was – I wasn't sure he was going to be able to finish out the game. I don't know for sure he's going to play next week. We lose another guard. And this team's in real trouble as far as the offensive line goes. We're starting to talk about last year's problems at that point. We, we need to run the ball more. We need to run the passing offense quicker and spread it out more, more of a system that Marcus is used to seeing. That's kind of, those are kind of my takeaways from the offensive side of it. To your point about Spain, do either of you recall who actually filled in for Lawan on that one play he was taking out? Kelly. Okay. He's probably the next man up as far as guard goes. Well, no, I guess he was strictly a tackle. I guess you know, they, um, they mentioned him playing some guard. I, I think he's way too big to be a guard. But That's you know, what I was about to say. He's, he's way too big. Well, it's but, not like we right. have like a ton of options, though. He is too big, yeah. but it's like there's not a lot of other options that we can choose from. There's no real other uh, starting depth going on there. So, I mean, after that, you're talking Tritola and Swanky. And Tritola wasn't even active, so. No. So, there you are. And then after that, it's Lotzenheiser. I mean, that's how fucking weak we are right now. You know what? <laughs> I, I will take a veteran minimum contract to go out there and get my ass kicked for a few plays and get, you know, retired. You hear okay that, Tennessee? It. We have an out-of-shape 43-year-old that is ready to sign a contract to come <laughs> bash around. I will play any position line. you need me to. I don't care. <laughs> There we go, wide receiver. That's what we need. You, you know what? You know, if you leave it up to these, you know, Titans fans posting on these groups here, I might be starting quarterback next week. <laughs> and yeah, I, I have a surgically repaired shoulder that doesn't work real well. <laughs> Could happen. You won't. Last, you won't last a week, man. I know I won't last a week, but that's okay. I'll well, take a week. Fa- to the fans, they'll be trading you for a ham sandwich. Matt, the second that Glenn becomes the quarterback. We're starting www.fireglennlossenheiser.com. <laughs> I'm with it. You don't have to worry about it. Don't ever be able to spell it to log in. <laughs> yeah, that's true, I guess. One thing that I like really took away from this, uh, guys, is on first downs, we threw the ball a lot on first down, come up with the incompletion, and then the second and third down, we're trying to play catch-up. And, and to your point here, we need, we need to run more. I think we need to run more on first down, especially in the beginning of the game. We're getting too cute, trying to chuck the ball on first down, and then we obviously would watch Rashard Matthews drop the pass. And then on second down, if it was a good run, we'd close to be able to get a first down on third down. But if you had a, a short run, you know, we're fucked. Our drive's over right there. It seemed like every single time this is how our drives were ending was throwing on first down and then not being able to, to come up with it after – Throwing on first down didn't work out for us. I think you should throw on first down every now and again to keep them guessing, but we should be running the ball like 85 or more percent of the time on first down. I want We have the running game. We were beating them pretty much the entire game long up front with our offensive line. Our running backs were getting down the field. We, we talked about DeMarco Murray with the 100-yard game. Henry was impressive in this game as well. I mean, we were really moving the ball well. I just don't understand this. This was bad play calling to me that we needed to run the ball more, especially on first down. Yeah, even in my sedated state last week, I think I even mentioned it's it's not particularly the plays themselves, although a couple of them I could do without. But it's the timing of the plays and the order of the plays that we're running them. It just makes no sense to me. I don't know. You both have said it. Run the ball first. These these moronic plays that are called at these weird times. Clock management last game was horrific. There was no reason to not call a timeout right before the half, but then to still run plays and throw that interception. Like, what What the hell are they even thinking? The clock management was a problem. You see that with lots of coaches. I don't understand why these guys don't get just a clock management guy. They just stand there next to him. I'll do it. You know, I will take a hundred grand and go stand there next to Mike Malarkey and tell him, hey, you need to call a timeout here. I'll, I'll do Glenn my part. Glenn is just begging for a job right now. <laughs> you're, you're not wrong. 
I'm in the oil business. It's, it's a little shady right now, so I will <laughs> certainly go help the Titans out. I'll That's, do my part. But more importantly, what kills me is you have a running back combination built to overpower other teams. You have a big offensive line built to overpower other teams. And you don't run the ball enough to wear anybody out until maybe the fourth quarter because you keep giving them breaks. If, if you get them on a three and out and their defense has to come back out in the field and then you bear their defense out by throwing a crappy 10-yard loss screen on first down, running two shitty plays after that and kicking the ball back to them, the defense didn't have to do anything. They get another rest. Now all that work you did grinding down there, eating up six, seven minutes of the clock, wearing out that defense in the hot sun, you've lost all that because you bailed their defense out by letting them rest instead of just keep running the ball at them. If you're going to run plays that you don't expect to score on, pound the ball at them and just wear the guys out. We saw it in the Detroit game. We were breaking those guys down. Those guys were just one after another going out of the game because they just couldn't take the beating we were putting on them. Now, our guys got hurt, too, and we had guys hurt this game. But you just keep coming at them. Yeah, I agree 100%, Glenn. I couldn't agree anymore. We need to be running the ball more. We need to wear the defenses down. And you know what? It was successful. You know, I understand if you want, you're trying to pull away from the run because you're not having success. But this game, we were really pushing them back on their heels. They didn't have an answer for it. We were running, you know, at four or five yards a clip, especially at the end of that game. It seemed like every time DeMarco Murray got the ball in his hands, he was having seven yards. He was having immense success. He was very impressed by the way he played, but we need to stick to the ground game more. However, everybody's going out now and getting the t-shirts made that say Exotic Smash Mouth. I'm going to get me a t-shirt made of the um, Matt Necrone quote that's more smash mouth less exotic that's what i want a t-shirt that says that less exotic more smash mouth if you want to quote me but go ahead and that's a good idea (laughs) never mind i just want a regular t-shirt because fuck matt (laughs) i'll take a brown shirt please thank you (laughs) (laughs) yeah really as long as it's not a jag shirt you can wear whatever you want so another thing guys talking about this offense we already talked about the drops, so we'll, you know, go over that. But we haven't talked about him too much. But Jay Samaro really impressed me. We were talking about it before the game. Really impressed me. How did you guys feel about his performance in this game? Oh, I've said it before. I think he's more of an overgrown receiver than he is a tight end. He did a good job. I mean, he, he was the one bright spot in the passing game, really. That long ball, he's the only guy I've seen you know, on our offense this year that got behind the secondary. He was out there wide open and deep. If Marcus throws a better ball, and this is one of the ones that annoyed me, or the passes he threw, this was the one that I was kind of like, damn, man, you just you just gave away a great shot here. Cause he hung that ball up there. He just lobbed it up there. He's lucky he didn't get picked off because it should have been because Amaro was basically standing still waiting for the ball to come to him. If the defender just does a slightly better job, he's got an interception. You, you can't just lob the ball up there. It looked like an old Phil Simms pass without the distance. I don't know if all you kids knew who Phil Simms was. He was a quarterback for the Giants at one point. He used to throw real big rainbows everywhere he threw the ball. What if Marcus Glenn's over here talking about the good old days with Otto Graham. There you are. <laughs> but, you know, if, if he throws that ball 10, 10 yards further down the field so Amaro is still moving it towards the end zone, that's possibly a touchdown for that guy. It, it was it was a nice thing to see that somebody could get behind a defense. Walker gets back if we want to use him for that purpose since nobody but him and Walker have any chance of getting deep on a on the secondary of any of these other teams. Send them send those two guys deep, let the wide receivers run the underneath crossing routes. Anything Sorry, else from this game that really stuck out to either of you guys on the offensive side of the ball before we moved to the defensive side? I don't know if I've said anything about Jace. You guys covered it pretty much. I think that he was definitely the bright spot. With him and Delaney, I think he could... Uh, open up some some plays for us so I'm, I'm looking forward to him moving forward more jace less supernal that's obviously the key to success as far as the tennessee titans go that's a fucking t-shirt right there <laughs> more jace less what's his name phil more phil. Less, less phil, we need, less phil. phil. <laughs> we need less phil in our lives and everything will get better <laughs> let's not even call him supernal anymore let's, let's just, just call, call him phil, phil. <laughs> yeah, phil phil sucks all right phil less than supernal <laughs> every time you hear his name, every time you see his name pop up, it's a penalty or a drop ball or something. Let's just move on from Super and all. <laughs> Before we move on to the defensive side of the ball, guys, on this last drive, we move the ball down with, again, just surgical. Marcus Mariota just phenomenal. 80 yards, basically, in four plays. And then the big penalty, which we've talked about, sets us back. And then you have, right after that, you have the, after we get set back with a penalty, then you have an offensive pass interference call on Andre Johnson, and then, of course, the no call on what a lot of people thought should have been a pass interference call on Harry Douglas. 
What are your thoughts on that last drive there and, and what should have happened, or do you feel like it was called the right way there? Just your thoughts overall. The offensive pass interference call was bullshit. The very, I don't know if it was the very first play of the game, but in the first quarter, the exact same thing that happened with Amari Cooper and Parrish Cox wasn't called then, but apparently at the end of the game, it, it's more in tune, I guess you would say. I don't know. The, the ref felt it was necessary to call that. When, when the game's on the line, I guess, it is bullshit. I, I think my, my biggest question is, why is it that on the last drive of the last two games, Mariota puts the game in his hands? Who's calling these plays? Because it's not Rabisky. Because why the fuck would he be making these great calls on the last drive of the game? Like, he's saving the best for last. Why don't we do this in the first quarter? I think Mariota... I don't know if he's calling them themselves because I, you know, I highly doubt that's the case. But who something something's different between the first three and a half quarters than the last drive when 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 it counts. We're not a team that play catch up. Like that's not what we're built for. The irony of it is, man, we've been close in all these games with teams that are are better than we are, but we've had a chance to win every single game we've been in so far. So I, I don't understand why we're starting so late. Or, or what the difference is between if it's Mariota taking the team over himself, saying, fuck you, Rubisky, I'm doing this, or what it is. I don't know if Rubisky's like submissive at that point, like, okay, three and a half quarters didn't work, let's see what we can do. Malarkey calls some plays, I don't know. We gotta get a better start. The, the two-minute offense is exactly that. It's, it's designed to move the ball quickly down the field. Every team can do it. It's obviously working well for us, so we'd like to see them do more of it. Bad clock management screwed it up in the first half. The two-minute offense it doesn't work real well most of the game just because of the what the defense is usually set up in the the Raiders were still running kind of their base defense so I don't know why we weren't better able to handle that did you guys see Mariota said that the defense that the Raiders put out there was not the defense that they game plan to play against I did see that and before I go into that real quick I want to say the defense definitely is is different in the last two minutes you're taking less chances. You don't want to blow coverage. So it's, you're seeing a little bit softer stuff, maybe a little bit vanilla because they just don't want to let the big play get past them. You know, they're not going to blitz a safety in that situation for sure. They're, you know, it's stuff like that that makes it a little easier in that two-minute drive. Puts a lot more pressure on the defense. But, yeah, I did see that they said it was not the defense um, that they were, you know, getting ready for that they had scouted and that they thought they were going to be facing and I mean obviously that ended up working out for the Raiders a smart coaching move for them but it it does seem like it seemed a little weird that I mean just Cleo Mack to me he wasn't impressive in this game and to me so far this season just seems like he hasn't been a factor in any of the games really and and kind of crazy because he's coming off of such a fantastic season that he had last year but not a sack yet yeah, the only bit, the only play that I really remember from Cleo Mack in this game is Derrick Henry running him right over. Yeah, I haven't followed him in any other game but ours. But yeah, he, I don't know what it is, man. But I mean, he he's an impressive dude. He hasn't shown it yet. But yeah, Derrick Henry definitely owned that battle. You know, the the whole idea to me of him saying that they weren't ready for the defense that they saw. That's the defense they've seen every game. That's, that's the defense everybody's going to play against them. No one is going to play any other defense other than keep the Titans receivers in front of you. They can't get deep on you. It doesn't matter. So you can man up on them, stuff the run, blitz the quarterback. What, what else would you run against this team? You don't have any receivers you're worried about. That's why Amaro got deep on that one play. They're like, oh, crap, someone ran. They weren't ready for the idea that one of these guys was actually going downfield. You know, the, the defense you're going to see is the bend, don't break, challenge the pass, make these guys make clutch passes over and over again because all they can do is grind down the field or bust one loose with a running back every now and then, which is why there's always seven to eight guys in the box, sometimes even nine, and they were still running into them. Th- those were the plays that I wanted Mario to the audible out of. When you line up there, you've got eight guys in the box, and it looks like the high safety is sneaking up too just to come jump in and make it nine. You've got to audible out of that play. You don't run the ball into that play. Play a numbers game and just take what the defense is giving you. If they're loading up the box, send somebody deep. You've got to have an audible that sends somebody deep, right? You would think so. I was happy to see us take a little bit more. We did take more chances in this game, but it was it- – we do need to figure out ways to get the ball down the field in big chunks better. And, you know, it's not all the time. We're not built to do that a lot. But you, 
any team, even us, even the way that we're playing, we need to be able to do that a couple times a game. Just take shots down the field. So that's, I, I was glad that we did it this game a little bit more than we have um, in the first two games. But we do need to figure something out. But then again, you know, who's going to catch the damn ball? That, you know, it doesn't matter if you throw it far if there's no one there to, to catch it. And uh, hopefully Kendall Wright comes back this week. And I know, you know, as Matt said, he's not our saving grace but uh, he is better than what's on the field right now and what we've seen so far. And I, and I think Rashad Matthews needs to find his way to the bench for a little bit after what was just an abysmal performance. So you bring him in, him and Tajay, then you have Andre Johnson working in, and then hopefully Walker back. And if not, Jason Morrow seemed to, to handle the stepping up into that role pretty well. So that will make us improve a little bit, you know, which we'll be definitely be happy to see. But we need to catch footballs when they're thrown our way. Did either of you catch any post-game Delaney interview? Is he coming back or what, what's the deal with him? From what I've heard, he is scheduled to work out tomorrow and practice in a limited fashion. From what I'm reading so far, they expect him to be back this week. I think he comes on the uh, 104.5 The Zone on Tuesdays, and I think is when he's, he'll be on next. So I'm sure we'll find out then if we, uh, if you listen to it tomorrow. He's got a, a weekly recap show. I only listen to Two-Tone Uncensored, so can't do that. Fair That's enough. Smart move. I can't blame you there. <laughs> Let's move on to the defensive side of the ball here, guys. We've talked about it a little bit. Had problems in the secondary, but we still stick with this bend, don't break, and you know we take on a very good offense and only give up 17 points. So there's definitely some negatives um, and definitely some positives from this game. How did you feel about it, and is there anything in particular you wanted to talk about? I don't think we have a choice but to play bend, don't break. You can't man-to-man on anybody with this group. We don't have any playmakers in the secondary. You know, Cox gets burned all day long and he gets one interception. That doesn't make him a playmaker. What, what else would you do with this defensive secondary other than play a, a zone and try to tackle people in front of you? I personally want them to spend this entire week screw game planning for the Texans. Don't don't even worry about that crap. The whole defense, all they need to do is just do tackling drills. Nine hours a day, every day, and just tackle everything that comes nearby them. Go chase chickens or something. Yeah, how frustrating is it to see like year after year missed tackle? Like that drives me nuts. Between missed tackles and not looking for balls thrown in coverage, that shit. Like I've already said this, man. Get rid of the whole and McCourty included. Get rid of the whole secondary. I can't. I, it drives me nuts. I don't know which is worse. Uh, I guess a missed tackle is worse. But when, why is it so hard? Like when you see a receiver about to catch the ball. I don't know, turn your head, look for it, try to catch it yourself. Yeah, I don't this know. is something I was lighting the whole team up for. Is The the problem we have on both sides of the ball is poor fundamental football. And it's it's not a coaching thing this year because they've only had just a few months to work with these guys. You know, They came up through high school and college and other NFL teams, and they've had these same poor fundamentals the entire time. Some of these guys, like the retreads, like – Blake and McCain, they're just not going to ever get it, I don't think. Cox has been in this league long enough now that if he can't figure out how to turn his damn head around, it's not going to happen. And that is the problem with McCourty, too. He's always in good coverage. He, he He's on his guy. He just definitely turns his head around. That's why I think he's a better safety than either corner. But you couldn't possibly move him to safety because you don't have anybody else to play any of the corner spots. agree there. I think he would be better matched up as a safety. We saw his brother make the move, but we can't afford to do that. And you're right. Uh, obviously, we are. Even though our safeties are not great, we're much better at safety than we are at corner. So desperately need him there. I will say this, and I agree with everything that you guys said. To, you know, right off the bat, it was not great performance at all. They do need to start working towards the football, trying to make plays on the football, because this bend don't break gets a lot easier if you can get turnovers. That's the big thing in big don't break defenses is getting being having the ability to create turnovers would be huge for us. That, that's the difference between us winning six games this year and us winning ten games this year, in my opinion. But the one thing I will say is they targeted Parrish Cox a lot in this game. I think we all saw he was rough, really rough for a while. And it's not like he was great or anything, but he did get better as the game went on and was not letting nearly as many completions as the game went on. But he still, they just need to start getting their head around. I mean, couldn't say it enough, just like Matt said. Tackling pretty much everywhere, even the secondary mainly, but everywhere on this Titans team. Yeah. I, I'll say this, everywhere outside of that defensive line, it would it just seem like if they get your hand on you, you're done. 
but everywhere else it needs to be improved. At what point do you – and, and there's no one to even take his spot, but at what point do you bench Parrish Cox? Teams are picking on him left and right, and there's no reason not to. It would only be worse if you put in Kane or uh, Blake. Throw Cody Riggs out there. See, let's see what the hell happens with that. He can't do any worse. Seriously, Kalen Reed, bring somebody. Oh, <laughs> like, man, I, I like, think I'd rather I, – I I'm not high on anybody, but obviously outside of McCourty on our cornerbacks, but I'd rather see McCain out there. Than Riggs or or Reed right now. Well, Kane is more capable of making plays. I'll agree, but he's a terrible tackler too. We got Lashawn Sims on the active roster, who's inactive every week. So I mean, what's the deal? I I don't understand. Like we bring him in. Obviously, he was a what fifth round pick, I believe. Yes. No. Yeah. It, it doesn't prove anything to put him out there and get him burned while he's still trying to learn, though. I mean, just. Instead of sending him out there to you know, sacrifice him. Well, I mean, we're getting burned as it is. I, I, why not give the kid a shot? Why, why, why not let the old guys get burned and destroy their confidence and send them on their way? <laughs> because, man, maybe there's some glimpse of hope with one of these guys. I don't. I, Lashawn I, Sims is like the most, the most like mysterious player on the Titans team to me because I've never seen him play. Like I don't know much about him at all. But he's on the team for a reason. So get the kid in the game. I, I agree. I mean, we're get, we're getting to the point now. If you know, we, we go into this Texans game and. We're going to cover this in a minute, but who do you cover their top two receivers with in this you know, secondary? You know, Cox is going to end up getting burned again this week. McCordy will probably get burned just because he won't turn his damn head around. But you couldn't put any of these other guys in there and have any better result. It, I know, Bam. No, no player on this team is going to cover Hopkins, especially McCordy. Yeah. That's the one thing where I think you could do with, with Sims this week. Um, and I think, to, to just say this real quick, I think you're going to see more of Sims as the – as the weeks progress, it's it's a big jump for him uh, moving into the NFL, getting used to the speed of the NFL, and getting used to an NFL defense. Uh, you know, we always do that for the offensive side of the ball, but these NFL defenses are very complicated. It's a big step up, so I think you'll see more of them. But his physicality, they do not have a good quarterback. Let's be honest, Osweiler's not good. For him, it's Asweiler. All right, sorry, uh, Asweiler, not good. And if you can get Sims up there and, you know, don't, don't throw him on an island, play coverage over the top, but get in the face of some of these receivers, and Hopkins being the big one because he's such a good route runner that you're not going to be able to, to cover him, and I can just see us just watching McCourty get burnt time after time after time playing on him. So why not just line up, play like a, a nickel with Sims pressing on Hopkins every time McCourty playing over the top. Just let him get physical with Hopkins up front. And I know Hopkins is a monster, but if we can make him pause a second, second and a half, that's the difference between a completion and an incompletion um, as far as, you know, Asweiler throwing the football. Yeah, you got Will Fuller the other side blazing down the field. Cordy is probably the only guy on the team that can run with him in our secondary. Really, I don't think it really matters what we do with our secondary that you know this coming week. I mean, not to say it doesn't matter, but I think I'm more focused on the pass rushes because that's what negates a terrible secondary is an amazing pass rush. And if we can get after Osweiler, make him uncomfortable, especially early in this game, force him into bad mistakes. That's how you beat this team because this wide receiver core is phenomenal. You know, even though that they're division rivals and I hate them. It, you, you're wrong if you say that they're not. They do have a lot of weapons in this wide receiver core. New Hopkins, he's, Hopkins is, is otherworldly. He is an elite class wide receiver, but they do have a young, way overpaid quarterback that you can, can take advantage of that. We need to take away the, and attack them at their weakest link, and that's obviously Asweiler. <laughs> so that's who we need to go after. Now, we need to hit him with a pass rush, and that's the way we win in the secondary in this game. My thing is, is we just need to hit him. I want them to be just be knocking him around. Take a penalty or two and just knock the crap out of him. You got to make him uncomfortable so he's he makes bad throws and hurries the ball out of there. I don't think anybody, including you guys, think we're going to win this game. I would not be surprised if we shock everybody and just come out swinging. Uh, we should. You you remember back when the Colts were tearing things up? Jeff Fisher went out there and he did onside kick after onside kick, and we got a nice big lead on it before we got destroyed. But you might as well do something and just take a shot at it. So maybe they come out in the, the two minute offense right off the bat. They start going. <laughs> out there just winging the ball around and throwing it everywhere and just try to find something to do it's it's going to be a really hard game for us to go down there and win this game the way we're playing right now i think this game is going to be like the same thing of, of what we've seen i think our, our defense is going to have some success we're going to do the bend don't break houston's not going to score a lot they'll probably come in under that 20 margin but 
what are we going to do on offense? Our offensive line does not match up well with this defensive line. You know, I think we're going to have trouble even running the ball, which we've been good at this year. I think we're going to be, it's going to be a nightmare to pass the ball in this situation. This matchup for us, I think our defense will do good because I don't think Asweiler is like overly amazing. I do think the Lamar Millers, we're probably going to have trouble doing much with him. But I don't think that on offense that we're going to be able to do much because of how good this defense is and how bad our offensive line is. Point blank, man. If we can't tackle, I'm not worried about Osweiler, excuse me, Asweiler cutting us up. I'm more concerned with Lamar Miller and our missed tackles. If we cannot tackle, he's going to make a fool of us like all day long. Miller, his he's only averaging three, like 3.5, 3.6 yards a carry so far. Uh, he did just get done playing the Chiefs and the Patriots, so that's probably got something to do with it. But th- their running attack hasn't been as good as you would have thought it would be once they got Miller in there possibly if we can tackle somebody, like Matt just said, we, we could shut down the running side of the game. I don't know that we can stop them from throwing the ball. I'm really actually a lot more worried that the score is going to go high on their end and not very high on ours. They do give up 4.8 yards of carry you know, to running backs. And if our offensive line weren't so beat up, I'd say let's just run the ball all day long on them. But if Bain's not going or he's a little bit gimped up, we may have a real hard time you know, keeping Watt from just absolutely killing us. And we got to wait long enough to throw that ball you know, for somebody to get open, you're got to be on like a two-second clock against this defense right now. Yeah, we're going to have to get rid of the ball quick, and not in these stupid gimmicky kind of ways. I, you know, I like that we're getting creative, and the exotic part, obviously, we knew was coming, but we need to quit being cute. We do need to pound the football, and we need to start throwing stuff that makes sense. Start getting slant routes. Start getting drag routes. Start getting stuff, you know, that makes sense in a fast-passing offense. Let's not do these... Whatever the hell that screen pass was, me and Glenn were talking about this before the show. Whatever the hell that was in that Raiders game, never again. Like, cut that out. Just draw over that that in the playbook. We're already on the subject here, already talking about it, guys. This next week matchup, um, you know, first game for us inside of our division. And right now, if you look at the standings right now, it's a tight race. Houston leading, of course at 2-1, and one, and then we are tied with the Colts now after they got their first win at 1-2, and two, and then, of course, the lowly, lowly Jags bringing up the rear. So a win in this game for us could be pretty huge. At the very least, we'd be tied for first if we can win this game coming out of this. And then after this week, we really start to get in an easy part of our schedule, as we've talked about before on the show. So would be a big win for us. What is your guys' predictions for this game? I, I have to predict that we lose unless all of a sudden we can contain their passing attack. I just I don't see any way that this secondary stops that passing attack. And it's not that it's a good passing attack. It's just those two wide receivers, if you get it near them, they're going to catch the ball. And I don't think we can tackle them after they do it. I really see several big plays burning us i hate to be a downer but i got to pick us to lose and it's probably something you know 24 to 13 or something like that i'm gonna go i'm gonna use the reverse psychology approach and take the texans even though i do see us coming out firing hard but uh to do the reverse psychology i'm gonna say 30 to 17 texans this one to me the thing i'm gonna be looking for a lot is as i said is on our offensive line um what we're able to do against their their defensive line and another interesting little fun fact for those of you paying attention this is marcus mariota's first game against the Texans. is injured for both times last year so this will be the first time that they actually get to see him i think 17 13 final score Texans win all right that's all we have if you're in the pick em, keep on going we have been great so far had a lot of guys having some crazy success last week one of the guys almost picked a, a perfect week if you haven't checked it out already two-tone uncensored on Facebook and two-tone uncensored on Twitter and Tennessee Titans uncensored on Facebook as well as the Facebook group we were talking about earlier you can also find us of course at two-tone uncensored.podbean.com where you can find all the shows and the, all the polls that we do every single week. The poll question this week is going to be, if we had to replace Parrish Cox, which cornerback would you pick to replace him? So we'll throw that up there and you guys can throw in your two cents. Also, every week, look forward to Glenn's articles, uh, the Know Your Enemy pieces. They've been really good so far, Glenn. Uh, hats off to you. If you haven't been reading them, you should. They're really good. Gets you a lot of information about the team that we're going to see every single week. Sorry, Glenn. I haven't read any. I know. 
I, I knew, Matt. I know. I, I talked to you on the show, and I know that you don't read my stuff. <laughs> I'll check him out. I promise. Cold-blooded. <laughs> all right, that's all we have, guys. Um, well, this is an away game, so we don't have to worry about home field advantage this week. But make sure when we come back October 14th against this Cleveland Browns team, let's pack the house that day. We really need to. You know to. what? Honestly, we're playing in Houston. There's got to be some Titans fans and Oilers fans left right. down there. There's got to have Maybe some this is the week we finally have a home game. There we go. That's I like true. the thinking there. <laughs> so show up if you're in the Houston area, and if not, get to the Houston area to get to this game. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks to my co-hosts for being on the show, as always. And tighten up. Podbean! Thanks for listening to the Two-Town Uncensored Podcast. You can listen to the show at twotoneuncensored.podbean.com or by downloading the Podbean app on your mobile device. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter at Two Tone Uncensored and like us on Facebook.